Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 39, titled Jesus Sends Out the Twelve Apostles. Today, I think, is a pretty significant event. Just to put things in perspective for you, we're about 35% of the way through the Gospel of Matthew, and then Jesus sends out his twelve. So, I personally think, just as kind of looking at it from a bird's eye view, I would say that the apostles' apprenticeship was complete. And now they're kind of transitioning to be journeymen. This is kind of their, bir- their, excuse me, their first big task to go out and minister on behalf of Christ. So let's dive in today and we'll see what today's set of verses have to say. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 15 says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, so give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. The lost sheep of Israel, excuse me, the lost sheep of the house of Israel was priority number one. And we notice this in the gospel. Paul mentions it in the New Testament. Salvation was offered to the Jews first and the Gentiles. So the dirty dog varmint Gentiles like myself, we get our chance for salvation later in the gospel of Matthew, but this isn't the event. So Israel is still the focus. Now, to me, by no surprise, we see that the apostles were given special power, right? So Christ gave them special power that we laid out in those verses, casting out demons, healing the sick, etc. Christ also says, make sure you travel light and seek no reward. So Christ basically commands them to reciprocate. And that's the balance, again, of not being a hypocrite, that Christ is so... Christ is very concerned with having continuity of who we are as people, right? If we give without reward, or excuse me, if we receive for free, we should give for free. That's kind of what Christ is saying. If we receive something and then try to make money from it, it's just not it's just not the right answer. You know, it's kind of shady, shady business. So let's see what the early church fathers said about those who are worthy, unworthy, or resistant to the gospel. The following information was taken from the commentary of John Chrysostom. He was an early church father and archbishop. You be the first to show respect. Do not wait to be saluted by others. But this is not a mere salutation. It is also a blessing. For if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Now, I personally don't think this instruction is out of date. It seems like this is an approach that should be consistent still to this day. We should go out and minister to people. We should be evangelizing, right? We should be 
trying to bring people to Christ, but not, not bring strangers into our own home. That's not what the Bible instructs us to do. The Bible instructs us to go out and minister to others. And we're not supposed to allow anybody to enter our home unless they bring the teachings of Christ with them. So there's, uh, as Christians, there's a certain criteria of who should be allowed to be in your home, right? Uh, so if we do go minister to people and try and spread the good news, we should show them respect. We should be the ones that initiate the hospitality first, and we should bless them. So if it's not reciprocated, then there's additional instruction, right? So the early church father, John Chrysostom, goes on to, goes on to say, But if they treat you with insolence, their first reproach will be to not receive the benefit of your peace, and the last will be that they will suffer the doom of Sodom. You are to seek out the houses of those who are worthy. If you do shake the dust from your feet, you are showing either that you have not been received and heard, or that you are attesting to them the long journey you have traveled for their sake. This advice also seems fitting to me, again, still. Or uh, it's not out of date. I don't see anything in Scripture that's out of date. I think it's all brilliant stuff, personally. But when I read this, I think of the whole pearls before swine verses that we covered during the Sermon on the Mount. So if someone is treating the gospel with contempt, or isn't being respectful when we're trying to minister to them, or even when we're trying to offer them the peace of Christ, they're rejecting it, there comes a point where we have to draw a line and just shake the dust from our feet and move on. It's like that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. There's just nothing you can do about it. If somebody doesn't want to receive the gospel, the good news, and they're like, my life's good enough, I don't need Jesus, why do I need Jesus? What's, what do I need this Jesus guy for? My life's good enough. I mean, look at me. I'm rich. I got this. I got that. Maybe Jesus... Wasn't Jesus poor? Jesus should be taking lessons from me. I shouldn't be taking lessons from Jesus. I'm righteous. You know, there's, there's that mentality out there. And that's why, it's, that's why suffering draws us to Christ. And we should really be thankful for suffering because if our lives were perfect and we were rich and everything was right by the world's perspective, there would be... Our, our minds, our, our psyche would, would think, what else do I need? I'm safe, full, comfortable. What, what do I need? What do I need Jesus for? So if you're suffering, be thankful, seriously, because suffering drives a need for us to reflect in the afterlife and us, it, it drives a need for a Savior. There's something psychological that goes on with suffering and drawing near to Christ. So... Anyways, the following let's hit another commentary. The following information was taken from the commentary of St. Jerome. He was a priest, confessor, theologian, historian, and patron saint of translation in the Catholic Church. Man, what an absolute hammer. He's a titan of the faith. Because to, This is what he says. Because to the men of Sodom and Gomorrah no man has ever preached, but this city has been preached and had rejected the gospel. But if it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than for that city, hence we may learn that there are different degrees in the punishment of sinners. So that was kind of interesting. I thought St. Jerome made an interesting observation about the varying degree of punishment. I personally don't have any feedback, but I think there's something to be said about that, and it seems to be related to Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. There's some sort of relationship I'm seeing between the commentary and those set of verses. Again, that's Luke chapter 12, verse 47 through 48. It seems related to me. 
One thing is for sure, though. One thing is for certain. All sin is an abomination to the Lord. Even anger without a just cause is equal to murder. Imagining yourself having sex with someone is equal to adultery. The tiniest lie is an abomination to the Lord. And here's another interesting one. Self-idolatry. People, people think self-idolatry is, is worshiping yourself like in the mirror from the standpoint of like vanity and narcissism or something like that. That's not at all what it is. Self-idolatry is when you place your own mind higher than the mind of God. So let me give you an example of that. When you're reading the Bible and you're like, yeah, I agree with that. No, I disagree with that. No, nah, nah, that's wrong. The Bible's wrong about that. That's a gesture of self-idolatry. Or if something's just as explicit as it could be and someone's like, no, nah, that's not what that means. You're, you're making your mind, you're placing your own discernment above what's written in God's Word. That's self-idolatry. Self-idolatry is living by rules because you've decided they are the rules rather than living by the rules because they're God's rules and He's God. There's a difference, right? One, you're your own Lord. The other one, He's the Lord. So, the margin of error is great. It truly is. The margin of error and sin is great. So, what, do we do? what should we do about that? Well, we need to remain humble and constantly repentant. Right? Because we've learned before that ignorance is a sin. That was Job's sin, lacking understanding. And because we lack understanding, we probably are sinning way more than we realize. So in lieu of that, in lieu of the story of Job, let's remain humble, let's remain repentant, because the blood of Christ is our only chance for the atonement of sins. It's our only chance. And our faith in Him is our only chance to try and bring about God's grace in our life. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.